everybody and welcome to an exciting edition of words images and worlds i'm all as always i'm jason dehart and joined this morning still working on my morning coffee actually uh i'm joined by howard mackey writer howard mackey welcome and thank you so much for being on the show oh thanks for having me jason i appreciate it so, <clears throat> may i call you howard Mr. yes mackey? okay all right, all right. howard all right um so you you've been in comics for a while when when was your career kickoff? When did you start working your way into? Well, I, I, I kind of, my, my whole career has been a, a series of um, happy accidents or, or forced to into it uh, by, by other people, yeah, uh, much yeah. more talented people. But I grew up with a, a gentleman by the name of Mike Carlin, who mm -hmm. you may be familiar with. Yeah. Uh, he just did. retired from DC. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> he did indeed. Uh, but he and I grew up together um, in Brooklyn, and um, we, you know, we were young when we met, and we remained friends. And uh, we used to, we used to. Go, this was in the 1980s, and we we went to a lot of uh, rock clubs back then that were all over New York City, and. We would get together every weekend and just every night go go out to these clubs. And I was working in uh, a job that I, I I mostly liked, but I started when I was 16 years old as an office boy for an exporting company. And I was getting tired of it <laughs> in my mid-20s. And Mike had just gotten promoted from assistant editor to editor. Um, and he, he was, uh, at, uh, assistant to Mark Grunewald. So Mike was tired, basically Mike was tired of hearing me, uh, whine about my job every weekend. So he suggested I, uh, I apply for the job. And honestly, he and I grew up, our, our, our original friendship was based upon a mutual, uh, interest in comics, but mm -hmm. he was much more of a fan than I was. Um, and uh, the way I was describing, we 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 were in a we we had a a place we all hung out, and I always describe it as he was the coolest of the the nerdy crew, and I was the nerdiest of the cool crew, <laughs> and we we found this this mutual interest in comic books, but I had really drifted away from anything resembling continuity or reading regularly at all until Mike started working at Marvel. And all of a sudden I was getting free comics. So I was totally up to date on co the, the continuity at the time, which was 1984. And um, I interviewed for the job and I ultimately was hired. And I didn't think I was going to stay very long because as much as it seemed like it would be a fun job, the pay was abysmal. Um, and I just didn't see where where I would go with it. And a few things happened. Uh, number one, within five minutes of walking in the door, uh, there was a young lady sitting on the couch of the office I shared with uh, Mark Grunwald. And I thought she was kind of cute. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, we wound up dating and we're continuing to date, uh, you know, oh, love 40 it. years later. Um, congrats, congrats. Yeah, yeah. So, and then... Um, then we went with, as Mark's assistant, we edited, um, 
everything from the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, which if I didn't have all my continuity down before I started at Marvel, that kind of force fed me the continuity. Uh, but I, um, we also did the Avengers line of books. So we, we did Avengers, what was referred to as West Coast Avengers when we started and eventually wow. became Avengers uh, West Coast. And we did Iron Man. And um, Denny O'Neill was the writer uh, mm-hmm. on Iron Man at the time. And he, he was on staff as editor and his office was directly next door to ours. And then Denny wound up parting ways with, with Marvel um, in the, the middle of a storyline. And I remember very clearly Mark and I sitting in the office together trying to map out a strategy of how to proceed. And Mark said, we need to ha- have somebody wrap up Denny's storyline. And I said, yes, we do. And he said, it needs to be somebody who knows, is familiar with the story and knows what he was planning on doing. I said, yes, it does. He said, it's going to be you. And I said, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> no, 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 no. And he gave me one of my my favorite lines ever that I used later as a, a both as an editor, a full editor, and then even as a parent, which is he said, oh, Howard, you're mistaking what we're doing right now for a conversation. And uh, he said, no, you're, you're going to write it. Because he, he felt that as an, um, an assistant editor or anybody working in editorial should have some experience on the other side of the desk. So mm-hmm. you knew what it was like. And so he had me write my first story, which was Iron Man to 11. And if I could turn the camera around, which I will not do, I have the splash page of that hanging over my desk that uh, the original art I've had since Alex Saviak, who I worked with on many other projects after that. But he was very kind and brought the day that he got the page back. He brought it uh, to my office and he said, Howard, this is the first time your name is appearing in the credits as a writer. And he said, I'm sure it's the first of many. And I like to think of it as my, my uh, lucky charm. And I've been offered quite a bit of money for, for that that page, but it's not going anywhere. It's always hung over my desk whenever I've been writing. So uh, that's really how I, I, that was pretty much the trajectory for everything uh, there. I, I then, I stayed on staff as an editor at Marvel for seven years. And then once that Iron Man story came out, all of a sudden editors started coming to my office saying, oh, Howard, we didn't know you could write. And I said, well, yeah, (laughs) the jury's still out on that one. (laughs) But I started getting little projects here and there, just, you know, one shots. I worked, I think the second thing I did was a, uh, a power pack story for Carl Potts. Uh, just a fill-in story, and then I did one issue of Chuck Norris and his Karate Commandos, which I'm sure nice. everybody remembers. <laughs> oh yes, I had the action figure. I had a Chuck Norris action. Figure. Oh, I have one hanging up, uh, out, around in the back here somewhere. Oh yeah. <laughs> but um, and then you know, then I think I, I did a kind of a run on um, Solo Avengers, uh, or which then got changed to Avengers Spotlight, uh, doing the Hawkeye features of of that book and then mark grunwald he was then executive editor and you know we when i worked with him we we shared an office that was pretty tight it was enough to fit 
two desks side by side with a space between, and you had some room for filing cabinets and such, but you, you became, you know, hopefully good friends with the person that you were worked with and who was your mentor as well. And he knew you just talked comics and yeah, he knew yeah. I was a big fan of the old Ghost Rider series. Mm-hmm. And he came to my office one day when I was an editor and he said, Hey, you know, we really want to bring Ghost Rider back. I know he's a favorite of yours. Why don't you give us a pitch? And I thought, oh, okay, that's cool. I've always wanted to write Johnny Blaze. And uh, he said, oh, wait, oh, there's there's one caveat. Uh, you can't use Blaze. You got to create your own character. It was Danny Ketch. It's who I, yes. I, was, I was crushed. But fortunately, the book was successful enough that as soon as it was successful, I realized, oh, well, I'm just going to bring Blaze back. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, and what what I didn't realize at the time, when I thought he was just coming and asking me to to pitch this series. I didn't realize they, I was only one of, I think there were about five or six other writers they reached out to for pitches. And every one of the others had way more experience than I did. And had I known that before, and I'm sure this is why Mark didn't tell me, it would have frozen me and I, I just wouldn't have done it. I would have, I would have turned it down, but they, they went, they went for my series. Um, and uh, that, that pretty much uh, launched my career as a writer. And a little while after that came out is when I left staff after seven years. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember, I think West Coast Avengers was my intro to the Avengers. So oh. that's, that's a cool connect. Um, because, you know, as, as a kid growing up in a small town, as we were talking before we started recording, I would find comics wherever I could, you know, spinner racks and yeah. pharmacy bins and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I remember discovering West Coast Avengers. And then there's just something about the design of Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember they, they did lots of interesting things with Ghost Rider as far as like glow in the dark things and all of this stuff, but also just the fact that he's kind of an anti-hero. So I, I love the the Danny Ketch storyline and that yeah. whole way yeah. yeah. going through the, the characters. The, yes, the, I, I'm not a big fan in general of the uh, the specialty covers mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. were, were rampant in the 90s. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And um, I, I always felt, I don't know, it, they always felt like a, a cash grab. Definitely, um, definitely. <laughs> except for Ghost Rider 15, which is the glow-in-the-dark cover that you, mm-hmm. you referenced. And it was, it, it just, I remember Bobby Chase, uh, my editor at the time, who I happened to have just seen two days ago, she stopped by, um, uh, saying to me, oh, we're doing a glow-in-the-dark cover. And, I, and then she showed it to me. And it, it blew my mind because it, to me, it was a genuine enhancement. Yeah. Holographic yeah. covers, I never quite got. You know, you, you spent a lot of time tilting it to see right, it, right. actually see it. Uh, it was literally just bright and shiny. But the right. glow in the dark, I felt like we were not ripping people off. We were actually giving them something extra on that. So, And I signed, I signed quite a bit of those when I uh, <laughs> go to conventions. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. But, and I mean, you know, there was that whole, there's that horror aspect to Johnny Blaze and Danny Catch mm-hmm. that works so well, but it's not like over the top. It's still, you know, well, thank you. For, horror. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because that, that was my intention. Um, it, he, 
yeah, certainly in the beginning, before he became so popular, and I had a little less control over the direction of the books. Um, it was that I really wanted Ghostwriter to be the supernatural element in the book. And so if you look, especially the first year, um, he goes, you know, we have we have the Punisher in there, we we have street level um uh villains. We have, you know, the one the kind that would typically go up against Spider-Man or Daredevil. And then we had um, you know, we had mutants. We had there was a foray, you know, with Doctor Strange, but the character they were going after, you know, the villain they were finding was a mutant, actually. So uh, and I only can cite all of this stuff right now because I just ha had to reread my my early run, which I and it, it has been a policy of mine to never look back at my old work because if I reread it, I'll be crushingly disappointed. And that certainly was my that was my experience uh, a few months back when I uh, started reading it. I started calling up friends, uh, including uh, my former editor in chief, who approved by uh, Tom DeFalco. And I said, "Oh, <laughs> how did how was this as successful as it was? Because it just I." I, I, I could see all the faults in it, but the fun part was uh, I was, I got to see not only the character develop over the, the first six issues, but I got to see me develop as a writer as well. And I, by the end I was like, Oh, okay. That, that, that wasn't, that wasn't too bad. I can I get why it was uh, selling as, as well. It was, and I had to do that all because I'm currently working on a, uh, a limited a mini series for marvel featuring danny catch awesome uh, awesome so yeah I, I was gonna ask about your most recent um work and things that are upcoming as well and i just i have to say too we're, we're just our own worst critics sometimes aren't we like people will look oh. back at the stories and, and love them i i threw out my master's thesis i just i graduated and then i chucked it because i was like ah <laughs> oh well exactly but, yeah. Yeah. And, and I was telling I was telling Bobby Chase, my editor, um, this story because I got on the phone with uh, Tom DeFalco not too long ago, and I said, you know, I'm, I was reading my my work, and I I I came across, you know, like a really good line or two, and I thought, oh wow, you know, Bobby must have written that. She must have edited it, and they edited that. And I said, but by the time I got to you know, 10 of those, I realized, okay, I don't think Bobby was that heavy handed uh, with the blue pencil. I must have written it. And Tom said to me, and I will launch into my Tom DeFalco uh, impersonation because I can't help it. Even if I'm on a panel with him sitting next to me, I start talking like Tom. Right. <laughs> he said, Mr. Howard, that happens to me all the time. I assume the editor wrote it. <laughs> and so, yes, I just don't, uh, I don't, like I said, you know, going back and rereading those issues was the first time I had read them in probably close to 30 years. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, it, and it's the thing I need to, you know, when I'm in the process of creating, and I'm sure as a writer, you know this. You, I remember reading a, a metaphor, you know, where you, 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 it's like you have a, um, uh, you know the 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 
the, the angel and the the devil on both shoulders mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the angel is the writer brain and the devil is the editor brain and you, you need to like <laughs> knock the editor off so that you can just write and then bring him back later and, and you know when you're when you're proofing your own stuff and going you know when you're doing your second third fourth fifth draft of a story you, you, you need that guy to poke you with uh, with uh, the, the little pitchfork there. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's hard to put him away and you, you don't want to be editing yourself mid-sentence. Um, True. Otherwise it never gets done, right? <laughs> well, exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I've, and I've worked with artists who, who are like that, where they're constantly erasing uh, stuff and redrawing and redrawing and and I remember somebody a famous line that uh, uh, John Buscema, just the best comic book artist <laughs> to exist in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, said, you know people said well how how do you do it so bad you know what what do you do when you draw I don't get paid to erase <laughs> I get paid to draw so he had, he approached the page with confidence in his line that he was going to put down. And um, just went from there. And I mean, in well-deserved confidence, <laughs> as far as yeah, I'm concerned. Absolutely oh. a legend, for sure. Yes. Uh, so is there a book that you look back at, a title or a character, and you go, that's just, that's the thing I'm proud of. That's the the one that rises to the top. Um, you seem to be a person who has a, a great deal of humility about your work. Um yeah, it, it's hard for me to, I've been asked that question and it's hard for me to answer. Um, I have fond memories of stories. I have fond memories of ca- stories I've written with certain characters. Um, but, I, you know, when people come up and just, well, I mean, and it's been, uh, it's wonderful when I go to conventions and I, and I've had that experience. Last year I did, I, I think I, I attended 16 conventions last year, which was, insane and as a result i'm only doing i think i'm four this year which yeah yeah is uh, much more comfortable but i i like the interaction with the fans and i had several people come up to me uh last year and tell me the impact that my stories uh had on them and you know one a couple of them were like you know big biker dudes or burly uh guys who were you know, almost in, well, a couple of them were in tears in front of me because they said it was exactly the right thing I needed at that, at a particular moment in my young life. And it got me through some terrible times that, but yeah, that I'm proud of, (laughs) you know, yeah. even if it it was only two or three people, then it was all, all worth it. Um, But to, you know, you know, uh, eh, it's just comic books, <laughs> you know. Um, so it's hard for me to say. I will tell you, there are a couple of things I've, um, I, people will say, oh, this is the best thing you ever wrote. And I, I go back and reread it. And, and really? <laughs> you think that's the best? <laughs> so it, it's hard. I am, I am not the best uh, judge of my, my own work. Although I've been, I've been pleased as I've been reviewing some of my work recently and I've had to do it on other projects that I did. I had to do a panel on um, a book I wrote called Mutant X. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. And um, I had to, they asked me if I would do a panel cause it was, you know, an anniversary of it coming out. And I, 
I said, okay, but I got to tell you, if you ask me specific questions about it, I've written close to a thousand comic book stories. I don't remember all this stuff and I haven't reread it. And just so happened right before we were traveling down to the convention, it was in Baltimore. Um, they reprinted uh, the, the first, first 12 issues, I think, um, in trade paperback form. And I got a copy. And so I brought it with me down there. And the night before the panel, I'm sitting in bed reading my own work. And my wife was just laughing hysterically. She, number one, she'd never actually seen me read a comic because like my comics stay in my work area. And when I'm reading, it's usually, um, you know, once once you become a professional, it's more uh, for research than, than for fun. Um, and I was saying, whoa, oh, that is so cool. I'm reading this thing that I wrote, you know, 25 years prior. And I'm, oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> and I said, that was really good foreshadowing. And she, I said, she said, you do realize you wrote all of this, right? And I said, <laughs> not really, because I was 25 years younger. I'm a, a pretty different person now. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think I answered your question. <laughs> yes, yeah. Are there... Um... Are there artists and authors working in comics right now that you follow that um, you want to shine a spotlight on? I, Any I contemporaries. I don't really um, read a lot of um, mainstream comics. I do. I mean, I'm um, uh, I'm a big fan of. Oh gosh, see, I'm going to murder everybody's anybody's name. I'm <laughs> going to try to pronounce, but. Um, uh um uh, no <laughs> i mean i love the artists i'm working with currently on on the danny catch uh ghost rider mini series <laughs> and i'm going i i will murder his name too it's daniel and i don't know how i've never heard it pronounced um picciato p-i-c-c-i-o-t-o -I, -I, I believe and he's australian and I just, I love, I mean, he, he won me over with the first page, you know, of course, set in the Cypress Hills uh, cemetery and he, he got it. He, he set the tone of the book immediately with, with the page one and then the double page uh, nice. splash that follows. So, but I'm not, I'm, I'm just not a, um, it was easier in the old days because I got all the comics for free. <laughs> for Marvel, mm -hmm. right, so I right. would just pick things up randomly. But for me to go into a comic book store and go go through things, it's 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 harder these days. I also I make a real effort whenever any of my friends or contemporaries um, have a new project out, I I make sure to go out and and buy it and read it because that's what what you do. <laughs> you, you support friends. I mean, I, I'll read anything that that uh, Walt Simonson works on. Um, just, you know, I, w I was reading Walter's work before I started working in comics. I mean, uh, that was one of the things that got me hooked back into reading comics is Mike Carlin was the assistant editor on um, uh, Walter's uh, Thor run. And <clears throat> then when I, so he was giving me those and I said, oh, this is cool. It's different. It's, it, 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 I just, I, I, I just love Walter's work. But then I, 
then became I became the assistant editor on part of the run as well, which was also a lot of fun. So yeah, it was that that was the fun part of getting to work at Marvel in the 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 at the time that I came in because you know and many of these people remain my friends to this day. So I got to work alongside, you know, everyone from people like uh, Walt and Wheezy Simonson to John Byrne uh, to Al Milgram, Larry Hama, you know, you, you name, <laughs> you, you name them, you know, Tom Palmer. I'm, I'm looking around my room to see who I have artwork from right, right. because they, they, they were friends and, you know, I have a lovely birthday piece that uh, Tom Palmer painted for me when I turned 40. Um, and um, it just, but also there were still, you know, Stan Lee would come to the office periodically and take a group of us out to lunch. And, um, but in the, in the bullpen, there were, there were names that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily know, but they, they had been working in comics forever. You know, uh, Danny Crespi, who was a letterer, he, he was in charge of the bullpen. And my first day up at the office about, you know, I was there for about an hour and all of a sudden Danny came to the door and looked at Mark and said, can I have him now? And Mark said, yep, go with Danny. He's going to show you the ropes. And Danny basically took me around the Marvel offices to show me the process of how a comic book got done. And, you know, including bringing me down to the art director's office, who was John Ramita. Who, yeah. I mean, you know, that's when my, my, you know, my, my jaw started hitting the floor when I, I started to meet those guys. Cause they, you know, I grew up trying to poorly copy John Romita senior uh, Spider-Man figures, you know, and, and, you know, and then years later when I was an editor, I got to work with Steve Ditko and I mean, it was just, just a blur. He would come into the office and like have to, he would show you pages that he had drawn and narrate each panel because as though you couldn't follow his incredibly exquisite storytelling. And in my head, I, I just, he was talking and all I was saying, oh, this is, this is flipping Steve Ditko. This is, <laughs> Steve, you know, I was just, I was, you know, like a kid all over again. So I was, I was very, very fortunate uh, at, at that time because it, I feel like it was a, a bit of a bridge and some of the last time that, you know, the, some of the, the foundational uh, figures in, in comic books were still working in comic books. And I got to, to learn from them all. Um, Very cool. So, yeah. As we're, as we're coming down to our last couple of minutes on my, unfortunately, time zoom, um, <laughs> uh, I just want to call back to something you said because I appreciate it so much, which was what you were saying about people of all backgrounds, you know, all, all sorts of people walking up to you at conventions and talking about the difference that you made. Because that I talk about that a lot on the podcast, whether it's a comic book or a young adult novel or a po <clears throat> excuse me, a poem or whatever it is that power of a voice calling to another voice. And I feel like that's any kind of writing. I feel like that's part of the power of what you do. And I just, I appreciate that so much. So um, I know we're, we're often so critical of ourselves, but you just never know that issue that, that stood out to somebody. Right. 
I, I've had I had one gen young gentleman come to me at a convention a number of years ago, and he started reciting dialogue that I had written. And it you know, took me a second to realize what he was doing. Uh, and then when he finished, I, I kind of caught up <clears throat> and I said to him, OK, I'm not sure whether I'm a little scared or just <laughs> incredibly honored. But, and he said, well, you know, it meant a lot to me. And mm -hmm. I reread it once a year. It's a story, a Spider-Man story that takes place uh, around Halloween. And he said every Halloween he reads it. And, I, you know. At that that's wonderful. It's been fun for me to have those reactions when I go to conventions when my wife is with me, too, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. she was never she's not a comic book fan at all. And I think that's why we've still been married all these years later um, and that she's always been incredibly supportive, but not terribly interested, <laughs> you know, in the in the nitty and the gritty. And for her to get to witness some of those reactions has, 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 has that's meant a lot to me as well um because she gets to think oh okay <laughs> so all those times you were working until four in the morning and, and disappearing into your office um that's what it was about <laughs> so yeah yeah well well thank you so much for your kindness thank you oh. for the thousand plus comics that you have out there um, that you. listeners can check out and recheck out. And I, I love that you're currently uh, visiting stories and characters and continuing, continuing to work and share stories as well. Well, well, thank you. And th thanks for chatting with me on this, uh, at least up here, a lovely Saturday morning. <laughs> it seems lovely here too. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this has been a great start to the day. So thank you so much. Excellent. And, uh, yeah. Glad to talk with you again anytime and hope folks out there will keep reading comics and anything they can get their hands on. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Take care.